Welcome to God in the Paranormal, a podcast exploring the supernatural from a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Suzanne. And I'm John. We'll be your tour guides on this sometimes bizarre journey. Quick first thought when you hear supernatural. Well, I'm an 80s baby, so I automatically go to Ghostbusters and that amazing song. Oh, of course, the song sticks in your head, doesn't it? What about you? I have a ghost, too. I think of Casper, the friendly ghost, as opposed to the scary ghost. Yeah. And he raised a lot of questions. I started thinking, even way back then, why is it that when someone died on Casper, they became a ghost? And when they died on Bugs Bunny, they became an angel. Oh. Theological. Yeah. 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 And why was it Casper had a round head and all of his friends or the other ghost had little pointed curly cue things on their head. I never figured that out. Yeah. Wow. Some subliminal messaging there for you. Anyway, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think Casper cartoons are wrong. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be super pious or know it all. And also, I'm no theologian, but from what I can read in Scripture, I don't think Casper verse lines up with the biblical supernatural. Yeah, well, I mean, Casper the Friendly Ghost, hmm. I'm guessing that wasn't a high priority for the writers, the theological side. And you know, that's the point of this series, isn't it? The Bible really does address supernatural paranormal phenomena. And scripture provides, I think, clear truth that can help interpret some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Right. The underlining presupposition of this series, the Bible is understandable, relevant, and sufficient for understanding spiritual things. That's what we really want to talk about Uh in this show. And obviously, it doesn't cover every single subject. If you're looking for help with algebra, you can just keep (laughs) looking because the Bible doesn't address that. But I believe the Bible really is the complete instruction manual on how a supernatural God worked supernaturally to redeem me. And as you said, it's it's the final word on spiritual things. So, you know, supernatural phenomena that that is spiritual, I think. Yeah. I hope that this podcast will help listeners make those connections between what our culture believes about the supernatural paranormal, um, like you see in Casper the Friendly Ghost and Ghostbusters and other things, alien movies and such, um, and also what scripture says about it. Yeah. And if any of you out there have views other than biblical views, you're certainly welcome in this discussion. Your involvement is very important to us. If you are even slightly acquainted with the Bible, you've likely noticed that it's unquestionably a book about the supernatural from cover to cover. Not only does it tell of supernatural beings and miraculous events, it claims for itself supernatural inspiration by God from the first word of Genesis to the final word of Revelation. Very true. Those terms natural and supernatural, I hear them used a lot in a lot of different ways. What's a good definition for those in case someone isn't clear? Uh, natural is the easy one. If you can see, hear, touch, smell, taste it, it's in the natural realm. So basically the physical universe, the things yeah, the, our senses deal with every day. Uh-huh. The, the stuff science deals with every day. Mm. 
And yeah, we live in a physical or natural world that as far as we know, it's made of energy, matter, space, time, and all that science stuff. But God has given us five senses that actually interact with the natural world that he created. So our spirit or soul can interact with that physical world. The supernatural then is anything beyond those five senses. So super actually can mean above, beyond, outside of, something like that. For example, as we said, God himself is supernatural. He exists beyond our five senses. His realm is outside of our physical ability to sense it. Yeah, and what about all the other supernatural beings like angels and demons that we read about in the Bible? Yeah, that's right. Our senses just aren't meant to work in in the supernatural, and that's just part of life on Earth. Uh, We certainly aren't disconnected from it, though, because Scripture implies that our, our very own soul or spirit, the real us, that's the real thing, thinking and feeling and and actually being are actually in essence supernatural. So in some way, I don't really understand. Paul talked about us living in a tent. So my body is like a tent that's in the natural world, but somehow my spirit is a supernatural thing that can live in the physical world in this body. So do you consider then some of the things that we do in the Christian faith to be supernatural events like prayer, the fulfilled prophecy, when we talk about the Holy Spirit leading us. Yeah, definitely. And and even scripture says that by him, all things consist. That's in Colossians. The -hmm. fact that the whole universe hangs together, that in itself is a supernatural act. And for lack of a better term, though, let's categorize those continuous supernatural events that we're talking about now. We'll just call those providential supernatural As amazing as those are, let's just set those aside. Most of the time in this series, when we use the word supernatural, what we mean is a type of immediate supernatural that's kind of apart from the underlying providential that's always around us in some way. Okay, I think I'm getting you. Um, I do want to throw in another term. What about a miracle? How does that fit into the supernatural um, or natural? Yeah, it fits really well. A a good definition might be an event in which a supernatural being suspends a natural cause to bring about a particular effect. So it has to be when a supernatural being actually decides that they're going to come through and interact with our natural world in some way. Um, When you say supernatural being with miracles, are you meaning like the positive angels and God or the what we view as negative ghosts and demons. Yeah, I, th- I think the word miracle sort of insinuates that it's a, a positive being like God or the angels. But, yeah, you could have interactions from other beings that wouldn't necessarily be miracles, but they certainly would fit the definition of, of a being coming into our natural realm and changing some physical law or something like that. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the purpose of this podcast. We're going to explore more of that later. Um, But we can agree then that a miracle is supernatural. Right. Yeah. I like to use the fishbowl example on this. Imagine you have a fishbowl with, let's say, three cute little goldfish in it. And there it is. And let's say that there is nothing at all outside the fishbowl, not even space. It's just suspended in nothingness. So for all purposes, then, those fish are inside their little universe, the fishbowl, 
And it's natural because they can sense it with their five senses, but that's all there is. And this is called the naturalistic or the naturalist worldview, not to be confused with a naturalist who just likes to be in nature. Now let's consider the biblical view of that. We have the same fishbowl, but instead of just hovering in nothingness, the fishbowl is inside of a room in your house, we'll say. So in that room, you have a couch and pictures and chairs and the fishbowl sitting on a table over in the corner. You also have people perhaps walking through the house. But let's also say that the fish in the bowl are completely unaware of what's going on outside. I think my fish can actually see me, but these fish are totally oblivious. They can't react with anything outside of their little bubble. But the reality is, if I could go into the bowl and tell them, hey, there's a reality outside of your little bubble of naturalism there that is super to your natural, uh, maybe they would believe me, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe I could convince them by saying, you know, every day those little food particles that appear at the surface of your world and float down, did you ever think about those? And the fish would ponder it a while and say, well, hmm, I have thought about that. Because every day I see miraculous little pieces of food appear above my head and they float down and I eat them. In fact, I pretty much depend on that every day. So you could tell them, but what's happening is I'm in the outside world and I've got fish food that I went to the store to buy and I can sprinkle it into your universe. So I'm in my supernatural realm outside of your world. I can then put particles of food into your world whenever I want to. Actually, I could stick my hand into your world if I wanted to. I could shake your bowl if I wanted to. And the fish, if they were listening carefully to you, may disagree with you. They may disbelieve what you're saying, or they may believe it. But that's a good example. You have naturalism. And you have supernaturalism, or what we would call the biblical worldview of what reality really is like. So although we're somewhat limited to our five senses, the supernatural can still interact or manifest within our natural senses. Doesn't that sound like some sort of mysticism? Yeah, if you push it to the extreme, I think it can. Uh, I believe immediate supernatural events happen in our natural world, but they are definitely rare, a lot more rare than what I think most people would think. And in this series, we're not going to be trying to find a demon behind every bush. That's uh, probably why a lot of Christians avoid discussing the supernatural. There are a lot of fanatics and crazies who have twisted the supernatural, making all kinds of outlandish claims. But having said that, we will be shaking a few bushes eventually when appropriate. So despite fake and fraud supernatural, we have to stay focused on the fact, I think, that Scripture tells us the supernatural is a real thing and supernatural interactions do happen. They're just very rare. So I do want to clarify, because we did say that prayer is a supernatural event, but then you just said that immediate supernatural events are kind of rare. But maybe we're not talking about prayer in that sense and answer prayers. Maybe we're talking about more uh, like, I don't know, what can you clarify that for me? Yeah, what I meant earlier was prayer in general when we're talking to God. You know, that's a supernatural communication. But definitely if God answers a prayer, 
in our natural realm and we actually see the results of it, I think that could even fall under the category of a miracle. But definitely that's something that's immediately supernatural in most cases. Yeah. Okay. Um, But there is still a problem uh, with all of this. Many Christians today either downplay or simply deny the supernatural accounts found in Scripture. Something about our modern sensibilities, I think, um, Mm -hmm. we're afraid to touch uh, supernatural things, even as Christians. Um, And that's scary because our Bible and our belief system is based on supernatural things. Um, a lot of Christians go about life sort of accepting a supernatural God in theory, but still aren't comfortable with him actually intruding into their physical world. This is a dangerous situation, don't you think? Yeah, I like a, a quote by C.S. Lewis that I use a lot. He said, the mind which asks for a non-miraculous Christianity is a mind in process of relapsing from Christianity into mere religion. And I think that's really true, because if you take the miraculous out of Christianity, you don't have very much left as far as the relationships that Scripture talks about. You just kind of have the, you know, the symbolism of a, of a, of a religion, basically. Yeah, I also like a quote by Michael Heisner. He sums it up really well when he says, traditional Christian teaching has for centuries kept the unseen world at arm's length. We believe in the Godhead because there's no point to Christianity without it. The rest of the unseen world is handled with a whisper or a chuckle. Oh, yeah. Michael had it right. And really, that's the bottom line. The supernatural is a biblical truth. And as God allows, supernatural beings can and do interact with our natural realm. Well, and a lot of the Bible has a record of many accounts of that. Yeah, but here's the irony. I checked on Roku just recently, 179 supernatural slash paranormal series to choose from. And those weren't, those weren't the entertainment shows. Those were just documentaries and kind of uh, reality TV. So, uh, and I also started counting just on the internet, paranormal podcast. You should look that up sometime. I stopped counting at 300. 300? Yeah. They're just everywhere. So even though there's like a huge disbelief in the supernatural among naturalists and a lot of Christians, our society and culture is really, really longing for it. Yeah. Our culture is just kind of swept into this really confusing and and often deceptive mix of supernatural ideas. But I think there's good news. Okay, then, before we go any further, let's ask the question that a lot of listeners are probably asking. With all of the 300 and 179 shows you just mentioned, why another podcast about supernatural things? And especially a Christian podcast about the supernatural. Aren't there more down-to-earth topics we should be talking about, like missions, outreach, spiritual discipline, and such? Yeah, yeah. Well, to be very clear, Our aim is not to sensationalize weird things, although a lot of the topics we'll explore are very intriguing. And we're certainly not trying to ride some popularity wave of supernatural, paranormal, and rack up a bunch of YouTube hits. But you know, that's the point, isn't it? There actually is a supernatural popularity wave right now. Supernatural, paranormal things are are just viral. And there seems like they're becoming more popular by the minute. 
And, and you know, much of our society just craves strangeness at some level. And it mm -hmm. seems like the stranger, the better yeah. when you watch some of the shows that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. For example, uh, I found a Huffington Post survey, and this was a recent one. 45% of Americans are certain, that's the way it's worded, they're certain that ghosts are real and that they're the spirits of the dead. 45%. That's getting close wow. to half of Americans believe that. 32% wow. say that these spirits can actually hurt you. That's terrifying. So, yeah, that means like a third of Americans are just waiting to be pounced on by a ghost or something. Yeah. Here's another one. This is a Pew survey. It's interesting, too. 29% of Americans say that they, quote, have been in touch with the spirit of a dead person. So not just believing it, but they've actually had an experience where they think they've communicated or felt or something wow. a dead person. Now, listen to what goes with that. They ask this same question to a group of what they define as regular church attending evangelicals. So 20% of them think the same thing. So a fifth of people that go to church with us believe that they've been in touch with a spirit of a dead person. Um, those are some really interesting surveys, but we also have a real-time example of a worldview that was changed. Yeah. Earlier this year, I heard a caller, and this was on a national radio talk show. He was describing a paranormal experience that he had. Uh, he had it with a ghost. It was what it sounded like. And what I've done is taken this uh, dialogue and kind of paraphrased it because I didn't have permission to transcribe it. But I think it's very accurate to what this person was saying. Would you mind reading that? Yeah, I'll read that conversation. Here we go. Caller. This shadowy figure was standing right in front of me. For some reason, I didn't run. I wasn't even scared. You know, like, oh my goodness, a ghost. It didn't seem dangerous at all. Host, you mentioned earlier that the figure was familiar. Caller, well, not at first. Then it reached out an arm. I guess it was an arm. And as soon as it touched my shoulder, the fuzziness disappeared, and it was my grandfather. Host, your deceased grandfather? Caller, yes, he died when I was 14. Host, so it was his ghost? Caller, yeah, I guess. His spirit or essence or something, but it was definitely him. There was no doubt. It was like I saw him there in flesh and blood. Host, what were you feeling right then? Caller, uh, well, surprisingly not terrified. A little edgy, but still kind of peaceful. He was smiling just like I remembered him. Grandpa never talked much. He didn't say anything now either. I could just, like, feel his love and approval, I guess. He patted my shoulder, and it was real physical touch. Then he just kind of faded. Host, you had a religious upbringing, right? Caller, oh yeah, we all believe in God. Host, but you told me before the program your view of reality changed after this incident? Caller, in a positive way, I think. At first, it challenged some of the views I've been taught. You know, like in Sunday school, we learn about how when a person dies, their soul goes immediately to heaven or hell, and they stay there. I've had to tweak my thinking on that. Host, so those places are just metaphors? Caller, hmm, I don't know. I just think that sometimes we maybe don't understand what the Bible is trying to say about some things. Host, then you've refined your beliefs, so to speak? Caller, yeah, I like to think I expanded them. I guess I'm more open-minded now. I know my grandpa was there and communicating with me. Nothing can change that. 
yeah, I think a little harder about things the Bible supposedly says. Maybe God wants us to kind of hold scripture up to our experiences, like what we think and see and feel, you know, just like not take everything so literally. The universe may be more complicated than I thought. Maybe there's room for all kinds of views in addition to what's in the Bible. Wow, John, that's a crazy exchange you heard. It is, yeah. And again, at this point, I'm not trying to interpret or analyze this situation. We're, we'll be doing that later. But did you notice what happened just then during that call? The caller claims that with this single experience, probably just a few seconds, his entire worldview changed. Yeah, and significantly, he set aside several biblical truths just because of a brief experience. Yeah, and unfortunately, the caller's experience probably isn't an isolated occurrence. I review a lot of paranormal podcasts and things like that for my research. It's almost a given, it seems like, that somewhere in an alleged paranormal account, the experiencer usually says something like, it changed my whole way of thinking about reality, or the universe isn't the way I thought it was. Or everything I thought I knew is now unsure. And my favorite, it's a crazy world. I just don't know what to believe. Yeah, and if you add that to the fact that the church in general isn't confronting these paranormal beliefs, if anything, we're looking the other way. And we're afraid to discuss the weirdness. Or maybe we feel uninformed about the subject. I know sometimes I really just don't know what to say. Um, and we just aren't dealing with it as mm -hmm. believers. And that's part of why we are starting this podcast. So as for priorities for Christians, this paranormal stuff is clearly very important. Yeah, I think so, especially in the sense that it alters worldviews, which then affect the way we do the Great Commission and outreach and missions and all the other stuff that we mentioned earlier, the very important things that the church and Christians do. When worldviews aren't based in reality, a lot of things start affected. Oh, I really like that. I'm going to say that after you. When worldviews aren't based in reality, a lot of things are affected. Yeah, they affect wow. everything. They affect decisions, actions, and everything we do. And that is one of the goals of this series, to look at how these contemporary ideas about the supernatural line up with traditional scriptural truth so that believers can exercise solid biblical discernment about them. And our other goal is to examine how these non-biblical beliefs about the supernatural play out in our mission field. Yes, the very ones to whom we're commanded to take the gospel are literally thinking differently about reality because of these new spiritual trends and all of those TV shows and podcasts they're listening to. Their worldviews have changed, and to be effective, the church has to take this cultural change into account. On a positive side, though, this is actually a window of opportunity with so many people wanting to know and experience the supernatural. Mm -hmm. It certainly would be a good time for Bible-believing Christians to jump in with the real supernatural from a real biblical worldview. Exactly. And I think the Apostle Paul kind of sets the example for us. He knew his audience really well. He always presented the gospel from the perspective of the hearer's worldview. So when he was in a synagogue preaching, he would present truth with Jewish metaphors. And on Mars Hill, when he was speaking to the Greeks, he started by bringing up their beliefs in their pagan gods. And so we're not saying he compromised the message, but he definitely presented the gospel truth with memes that were relevant to his believers. And that implies that at some point he actually did make the effort to learn about opposing philosophies. 
Yeah, Paul was very educated and also knew the people around him. So it makes sense that we would need to understand how the culture thinks before we can effectively engage it, especially today when it changes so quickly with the latest viral video, internet guru, or paranormal sighting. Then let's back up. The title of this episode is Whatever Happened to the Supernatural? So we agree that we're being barraged by confusing views of the supernatural. How did we get here? Uh, let's start by clarifying some of the terminology we'll be using. We've already looked at supernatural. That means beyond or outside of the natural realm that our five senses can experience. Paranormal is similar to that. And in fact, sometimes you'll see it used interchangeably with the word supernatural. Uh, sometimes I use it interchangeably. But there is a, a, a real difference. Paranormal literally means alongside the normal. So instead of being in a completely different realm, it holds to the possibility that maybe it's just something natural that's sort of alongside the natural somewhere. It, it could also mean something that's currently not explained by physical laws, but maybe it could be explained by physical laws. Take ghosts, for example. There are a lot of ghost hunters out there who believe that ghosts aren't really spiritual beings, they're not angels, demons, or anything else. They're just energy fields that somehow when a person dies, their bioenergy or their life force or something just kind of hangs around for a while. And in that case, it's some weird energy or something that we just don't know about scientifically, hmm. which isn't to say that someday scientists will figure that out. And of course, that's what a lot of Ghostbusters are trying to do, find the actual energy, whatever type it is out there that's that's causing all the phenomena. Now, it also could mean that it could be possibly supernatural. So it's a little bit confusing because some people will read into it supernatural when you say paranormal. And that's possible, something that's paranormal. Uh, according to the real definition, it could be something that will be proven someday. Or it could actually turn out that it is something supernatural. So that's what's in the mind of people who are saying this. Typically, though, when we use the, the word or the term paranormal, most people see that as something that's uh, weird or, or unnatural in some way, strange. And usually it's, it's seen in the sense of being non-biblical. So a biblical worldview wouldn't consider something paranormal. It would just either say it's either natural or supernatural. Another example of this are the Gurdon Lights. Uh, I'm sure most people have heard of the Marfa Lights. Uh, in Gurdon, Arkansas, my old stomping ground, there is pretty much the same thing. Uh, there's a light that appears over the railroad track that goes through the little town of Gurdon. And it's been seen now probably over a hundred years. The backstory on this is that it used to be a railroad man who somehow got murdered. And the light that you see is his ghost carrying the lantern down the track. So that would be, if that were considered paranormal, that would be something that people are trying to prove what the cause is. And some people may say, oh, yeah, it is a ghost. So in, in this case, it's a spirit with a lantern. Other people say that it could be just this weird piezoelectric effect because there's a lot of crystal in the ground there in Gurdon. So these quartz crystals are somehow, in a way we don't understand, causing an electronic or electrical stimulus somewhere that comes up over the railroad tracks and, and just makes it look like a light hovering over the track. 
that's a good example of paranormal. We don't know what causes it, but it has numerous ways of explaining it. Possibly something that's normal or physical, we just don't know, and possibly something that's supernatural. Okay, back to the original question. What exactly happened with Christians over recent decades or, or even centuries? Let's do just a very brief history here. We don't want to get bogged down. And this is obviously very oversimplified, so bear with me on it. But the idea is, traditionally, the early church and probably a remnant of believers ever since then have accepted what Scripture has said about the unseen. Uh, that there is a God and that he's a triune spirit. He created out of nothing. There are also angels, demons, heaven, hell, miracles, all that's supernatural that you see in the Bible. And by the way, nothing you'll hear on this podcast is some new revelation about some supernatural reality. I believe the early church had it exactly right. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel with any of this. Okay, so how did we get unhitched from thinking biblically about the supernatural? Let's jump back into that fishbowl again. And I'm thinking of the biblical fishbowl right now. So we have the fishbowl with fish inside. That would be the natural. And we also have the supernatural outside the bowl. So imagine a fishbowl sitting in a room. The room's full of furniture, things like that. And the fish can't really comprehend or react with the outside of the fishbowl. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go back maybe several centuries. We have the Renaissance happening. We have people starting to think more about humanistic type things. And we have empiricism, uh, the idea that we can use our five senses to discover things. So here we are in the fishbowl, and we start noticing that, oh, this thing that's happening in the fishbowl that we thought was something from the outside it does have a natural explanation. So it, it's not something that's outside of the fishbowl causing it. And then we find something else that we thought was an outside supernatural thing. And we see that, no, that was something that was natural too. For example, uh, in the beginning, we didn't really understand how blood and the heart, things like that worked. So people would say, oh, the blood is magical. It takes living force through the body, which in a sense it does. But then we figured out, oh, wait a minute. The blood is pumped by an organ called the heart. So we used to think that blood just magically flowed through the body. And now we think, or we've figured out medically and with our five senses that, no, it's a heart muscle that's actually forcing the blood through the vessels. And so people said, okay, that's okay, but ooh, the heart is miraculous because it's just sitting there beating, causing blood to flow. And then another doctor figures out, oh, wait a minute, the heart is actually being stimulated by electrical signals. And so now we say, oh, we thought it was miraculous, but no, what's causing the heart to beat is actually something natural. So do you see where we're going with this? We keep yeah. backing up into time and finding a cause for the cause that we thought originally was miraculous. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we live in a world, according to Romans 1.20, that we look up and we see the creator in it. That's, that's the way God did it. He made a purposeful, orderly, non-chaotic world that really does work very machine-like in some, in some cases, or in most cases. And that's why we can do science, because a scientist will assume that what we do today this way We'll have the same result tomorrow doing the same cause. 
Or in other words, we can repeat things. That's, that's one thing we know about science is that it's repeatable. And as a scientist, we depend on that. We want our world to be the same from day to day. We don't want a chaotic world like the Pantheon where one day Zeus is mad at everyone and the world works differently that day than it did the day when Zeus was happy with everyone. So it's a good thing. And science was good. It started out studying God's creation. So you can't say that that's necessarily bad. But what happened was the naturalists jumped in and they started saying, well, look, we thought this was miraculous, but it turned out that it wasn't. There was a physical cause for it. And then we thought something before that was miraculous. And you see, we regress backwards and we start saying, well, wait a minute. We're finding a cause for everything out there. We're finding a natural physical cause for everything that we used to think was miraculous. But yeah. you see the fallacy in this? Yes, you can do that up to a point. But what happens when you hit that final place where you have to say, no, there, there can't be anything beyond this except something miraculous. Now, from a biblical worldview, we would think that that's true. A naturalist, on the other hand, would look at this situation and say, well, we don't know what the cause is. I mean, it looks like it's supernatural. But since we've always found a natural explanation for something, we're just going to go ahead and assume that whatever we think is miraculous now is just natural and physical. And that's kind of where we find ourselves. It's not that science is bad, because in the five-sense world we live in, science is a very good way of finding out information. And once again, it's because God made a world that's very predictable, very orderly, and we can use it empirically. That's what they say in science. So whenever, wherever you want to say that this attitude actually took over, it probably started several hundred years ago, probably around the Renaissance time, and it just kind of snowballed through the years. And then we find the, especially the mid to late 1800s, that's when most of the, just the pure naturalists came in, the ones who were atheistic naturalists and said, well, we really don't need to say that anything is supernatural. And we can, we can explain God with just physical things. And, and that took on the name of the Enlightenment, empiricism, modernism, a lot of different words for that same attitude or that same philosophy that people adopted at that time. And as for the church, there have always been people who have stuck with the traditional, literal, scriptural view of things. But mainly those in the church went one of two directions. Some rebelled against the modernism and this naturalistic philosophy that did away with the supernatural and miracles. And a lot of these went to kind of a supernatural extremism. We see this in a lot of the medieval churches and, and really all the way to modern day church members or believers who have a, a view of the supernatural just that just expect everything to be supernatural all the time, expecting miracles to happen. So that's on one extreme. The other extreme were, I think, most of the mainline traditional churches. They looked at what was happening and they said, you know, this naturalism stuff, we know that the culture is kind of immersed itself in that and they've accepted it if we're going to be relevant we need to probably do the same thing hmm. and i think that was the error that started into the church probably around the turn of the century where uh, churches just started believing that and they said well let's kind of downplay the miraculous stuff we don't want to offend people with that 
much like we see the church doing today with, with issues that are coming up in, in today's culture. And these were, in a way, good intentions. You know, you want to you want to be relevant for sure, and you want to reach the mission field that you have out there. But what happened was we had uh, miracles in the Bible, for example. And I've heard this a lot of times. It kind of it was kind of disturbing as a child to hear this. But I recall one pastor who literally was, was speaking about the plagues of Egypt, and he went through all ten of them and gave a good physical explanation of how this could have happened without the supernatural, without God coming in. And, you know, obviously that was the point of the story, that God supernaturally intervened with ten plagues. But in his mind some way, he was making it, I guess, more believable to the church. Uh, I don't know what his end goal was supposed to be with this, but we do try that. I've heard it said with manna, for example, that well-meaning pastors and teachers have said, well, maybe what if it were something like... uh, an insect that was giving off honeydew because we know that homopteran insects in that order can produce a sweet substance. And in the Middle East, sometimes this sticky stuff gets all over plants. So why don't we just say that a huge swarm of billions of these little insects flew over every single day for 40 years and dumped on millions of people plenty of sweet little pellets of manna to eat. So... I don't know where where most people stand on that, but I look at it and I say, wouldn't it be easier and actually less miraculous just to say that God just did it? I mean, to say that he had to create a, a, a swarm of these insects that just happened to stay around and happened to secrete manna and do it for 40 years, that seems a little bit less believable than a God who could actually just say, let there be manna, and there was manna. The same thing with the Red Sea. How many times have you heard, well, maybe it was a wind that came through and pushed the waters apart, or maybe it was during a season where the the river just diverts itself at certain times of the year. I mean, what, what are you trying to say here? If a miraculous God can create a universe out of nothing, why couldn't he just push water to the side? That's right. And that's where we find ourselves. And that's where most people in churches today find themselves, that they're uneasy with the supernatural, and they try to make e- either excuses to make themselves feel more able to believe it or to present it in a way that makes the world, to make it more probable that the world will accept what we're saying. So it is kind of confusing, though. You don't know how to approach that sometimes. And much of the contemporary American church right now is stuck in this kind of paradox of not wanting to give in to the atheistic, naturalistic, Darwinian bunch, but still kind of uneasy about all that Bible supernatural that it talks about. And I think you're right. Those hucksters and deceivers who seemingly put on supernatural acts for money and pre- or prestige, not to mention just plain mistakes in interpreting events. It is embarrassing for believers who try to think biblically and reach others with the gospel. Yeah, it takes spiritual discernment, but we're constantly warned about such things in Scripture. Those cases, I don't think, should ever be a barrier for accepting a real, true supernatural, especially since it's so clear in Scripture. But I've also heard you mention an emerging trend. It's kind of like a hybrid worldview 
um, and especially with young people. Yeah, some are calling it a mosaic worldview. It's mainly the millennials and kind of the Gen Zers. So if you want to put an age on that, that would be like early teens up to the 40-ish type people. And what we have on statistics, it's confusing because on surveys, they claim a really high degree of spirituality in what they believe in. But then when you ask them to say what faith or religion they're in, they check the none box, N-O-N-E. And that's why a lot of people are calling it not the mosaic generation, but the none generation. Okay, so here's a quote from a Barna Group vice president speaking about this group that you're talking about. They give the supernatural world the same treatment as any other aspect of their lives. They cut and paste supernatural experiences and perspectives from a variety of sources, from the movies and books they read, from their experiences, from the Internet, from their peers and families, and from any place they're comfortable with. End quote. Um, I feel like that's very dangerous because everything that that quote is sourcing is uh, personal. Yeah. And I don't feel like you can always trust your personal experiences. It's like choosing your worldview from things you're comfortable with. Yeah. To squeeze everything we can out of the fishbowl model. Imagine a regular natural world with pockets or bubbles of supernatural just randomly spaced around. One day you're walking around in the normal and all at once you experience a ghost in the paranormal, which has nothing to do with another person being abducted by a UFO, maybe in another paranormal bubble somewhere. Everything paranormal is in its own little kind of supernatural reality with no necessary connections to anything else. And who knows, there may even be a supernatural world somewhere with new paranormal things that we've yet to encounter. Just a hodgepodge mix of experiences? That explains a lot of what we hear some people describing. Yeah, as the rest of the boomers and myself move out of this natural realm, the millennials and Generation Z people will be the movers and the shakers, and those with this mosaic worldview will become more dominant. So I think it's important to understand this latest trend in culture. It's a complex worldview, but here's another oversimplification. As we mentioned, the mosaics are a bit uneasy with science and pure naturalism. I mean, after all, science told them that they were going to clean up the world, and that didn't work too well. And science says we can find a way to have world peace, and that obviously didn't go over either. And most recently, science, we, we thought science could cure every disease and keep us healthy, and then we find that's not true. You kind of see how they pick up this idea, maybe. But they are more open to a kind of vague spiritual and supernatural. The problem is, it's all very compartmentalized. Oh, but as we mentioned, what an opportunity for believers to share the biblical truth. Yeah, mosaic thinkers really are an important part of our culture. And as we dig into future paranormal topics, we'll see many examples of this worldview at work. In this episode, we wanted to give listeners a base for understanding all the very interesting topics we have coming up. We wanted to talk about how people living in our modern world have an emphasis on science and facts, but also are craving paranormal things that are too weird to touch for Christians, or we think they're too weird to touch. Hopefully, we've clarified some terms and ideas that will be useful in our future episodes. In those, we'll look at specific supernatural paranormal phenomena 
which is going to be exciting. Um, and be prepared. Some of those will get pretty fringy, yet we'll keep it all tethered to God's word. Because as John said earlier, this is not about sensationalizing something or picking up on some crazy fad. Uh, we really want everything to be grounded in God's word. In our next episode, we'll look at what the Bible says about this unseen supernatural realm. Have you ever wondered what the world beyond is like? Of course, we don't have all the details, but scripture reveals some incredibly intriguing entities that live there right now. That's going to be exciting to talk about. Mm -hmm. If you found this podcast useful or interesting, please tell others about it. You can subscribe here on this YouTube page and give us a thumbs up. We're not doing this for the money. We just want to know if anyone's out there. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect or ask questions, send us an email at godintheparanormal at gmail.com. You can also get more information at our website, thinkingaboutthebible.com. Or if you really just can't wait for all of our episodes to come out, um, Dr. John McWilliams has a book called God and the Paranormal. It's available on Amazon. And the whole reason we're doing this podcast is because that book really, really resonated with me. And I just wanted to share more of it with the world. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll say goodbye for now.